Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV, our radio website and TV show website, exxonradiotv.com. And of course, if you'd like to find out what the great programming is we have available for you, 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour is Laura Tempest. Zakroff. Is that correct? You got it. All right. And uh, Laura can be described described as a professional artist, author, dancer, designer, muse, myth punk, teacher, and witch. She holds a BFA from RISD, Rhode Island of Design, uh, and her artwork has received uh, awards and honors worldwide. Her work embodies myth and the esoteric through her drawings and paintings, jewelry, talismans, and other designs. As Tempest, she can be a major pioneer of fusion belly dance for over 15 years. Her fascination with the sacred and ritual dance led her to belly dance, and she strives to help others connect mind, body, and spirit through movement. Laura has been a practicing modern traditional witch for over two decades and reveals in the intersection of her various paths with witchcraft. She blogs for Pathos and a Modern Traditional Witch, Witches and Pagans as Fine Art Witchery, and she contributes uh, to The Witch's Almanac. The Witch's Cauldron is her first book, with a second book on Sigil Witchery due out in 2018. Laura resides in Seattle, Washington, with her partner Nathaniel Johnstone, and at least, at least, I love that word, three cats. Her website, <laughs> lauratempestzakroff.com. And Laura, welcome to the X-Zone, my dear. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's our great pleasure. Uh, wow. you. When do you get any time to rest? I, I got tired just reading your bio. <laughs> Well, when you work full time as an artist, it's it's pretty much a seventy and ninety hour work week. Um, wow. So, uh, people who have that romantic notion, oh, art's just all easy. I wish I could quit my forty hour week job. Like, it's a little more involved than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me about your new book that's coming out, "The Witch's Cauldron: The Craft, Lore, and the Magic of Ritual Vessels," uh, put up by our good friends at Llewellyn Worldwide. 
Uh, yes, so it's the uh, the sixth book in their series on the witch's tool that mm-hmm. started off with the uh, the witch's broom and the athame and wand and mirror, a few other different things. And uh, so um, this one is all about the cauldron, and uh, that's a really kind of wonderful, exciting topic. And you know, every every witch loves the cauldron, and so it was great to talk about the the myths that are in there and and how to use it and how to acquire them. And so it's a great little book. book would it be safe to say then, Laura, that a cauldron is no, it would be the same thing as my wife's crock pot? Uh, it definitely could be. Uh, you Think about cauldrons. They mm-hmm. have been around for thousands of years, and we use them to, to cook and yeah. to clean. And uh, so at the crock pot, you, you cook in it, and there's also some really cute crock pots out there that are cauldron shaped. So wow. somebody out there had a good design idea. You see, the way the reason I say my wife's crock pot and a cauldron because my wife is a great cook, and I can't believe the stuff that she cooks in that crock pot, and it must be magic. So that's where I made the connection. Uh, it's definitely a form of a kitchen witchery to to get a good meal out of a crock pot. It sure is. Now, um, you identify yourself as a modern traditional witch. I've got about a minute before I go to commercial. Mm-hmm. Can you explain more about that, Path? Yes. Uh, so the traditional aspect refers to a folkloric path mm-hmm. of witchcraft, family traditions, and uh, what we, we think more about in the classic idea of a witch. And modern refers to the fact that I am American, I'm living here in the U.S., I have a very diff- uh, diverse cultural background. Mm-hmm. And so I have to practice what, what makes sense now, And so I'm combining modern aspects with those traditional aspects. All right, stand by, my dear. You and I have to take a break. We'll be back in two minutes. ExoNation, our guest this hour is Laura Tempest-Zakroff, and her website is www.lauratempestzakroff.com. We're talking to Laura about her new book, The Witch's Cauldron, The Craft, Lore, and Magic of Ritual Vessels. And we'll be back on the other side of the short break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, across Europe on Radio X, and around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. 
I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at Songs and Stories for Soul. Soldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to an author tonight, this hour here on the Exxon. Her name is Laura Tempest Zakroff. She's the author of The Witch's Cauldron, The Craft, Lore, and a Magic of Ritual Vessels. And it's put out by our good friends at Llewellyn Publishing. And I'd like to thank our good friend Kat Sanborn for helping make this possible. And, of course, my segment producer, Stephanie McConnell. That name sounds familiar. Yeah, it's my little girl. She's not that little, but she does a great job. Okay, so you, you were, we were talking about modern traditional witch. And you said that, it was, you know, there's part that you related to your diverse cultural background. What did you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Well, um, for, for starters, mm-hmm. my, uh, my mother is a Sicilian and uh, from Central Italian uh, background. Right. And my father is, is Jewish, but also it's Russian, Latvian, Lithuanian, Hungarian, and just keeps going. Oh, my goodness. I like to say that I come from a long line of yeah, a long line of people who like to sleep with other people from different cultures. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so when you when people talk about, uh-huh. oh, you know, I, I, I practice Scottish witchcraft. And, like, have you ever been to Scotland? No, but, you know, my uh, I have one ancestor from there. Um, you know, there, it, what, what motherland can I claim? You know, it's like, oh, well, I, yeah, sure, I like Italy, but, you know, part of my background goes to the, you know, the rest of the Mediterranean right. and, <laughs> and into the Balkans. So, so we can honestly it's say... A, it's quite a mix. So we can honestly say that since your mother is from Sicily, that you are a mafia witch. So, so nobody better cross you know, with you. You'd be surprised. It might be on. It might be on both sides of the family. <laughs> <laughs> um, why? You know, like, what do you think most people think of when they hear the word cauldron? I, I think they they tend to conjure up the the image of either the Macbeth witch, you know, which is they're gathered around mm-hmm. the cauldron and and putting herbs into them, or. Uh, at Halloween time, a bubbling cauldron and smoke coming out of it. You know, so it tends to go to more of a sense of, of fantasy or to theater. So tell me, why do you think that witches throughout history, except recent history, have have received such a bad rap for what they do by by members of society and especially other religious organizations? 
Oh, and we only have so much time to go for that one. <laughs> oh, well, there, there's a few few different opinions, and it depends on um, which area that you're looking at. Uh, but it tends to be coming, when you look at who the witch is in society, um, mm-hmm. that might be in your village that you have your, your farmer and your blacksmith and, uh, you know, everybody had the baker and the shoemaker and all that different things. Your, your witch is the person who would take care of, of healing, um, whether that's physical or spiritual, uh, depending on where we're looking at in history. They might also be the spiritual leader of the community, your priest or priestess. And, uh, and the, they're, they're the ones who deal with the unknown forces. And any time that humanity deals with the sense of the other, uh, they, you know, if you're not used to it, it, it's a scary thing. And so that very much will put witches in the sense of the marginal, that we don't know what this is, and so we're going to be a little bit scared of it. Yeah. So you, you have that social context. You know, I've, uh, I've and said... And then you have the other religious context. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say that I've said many um, times even... here on the show uh, that... Um, you know, witches have received a very bad rap because if it wasn't for witches and and the way that they they cherish Mother Earth, we wouldn't have had you know the pharmaceutical industry that we have today because the early early apothecaries and early herbalists mm-hmm. were witches. Yes, you know. Uh, there's so so many different things and, and patterns of that we, we take for granted in our life mm-hmm. and you know that we pretty much keep society going. Um, and you think about the points where witches were, were persecuted, it's sort of the darkest points in history as well. So you know you kill the knowledge, you you uh, set everybody back. In chapter one of your book, The Witch's Cauldron, The Craft, Lore, and the Magic of Ritual Vessels, you talk about the nine uses of the cauldron. Now, that's a lot of different ways to use a cauldron. How are there so many? Well, when you have something that's as old as the cauldron, we have many different uses. Uh, We think of it in the most basic functional way. We have a container, right? It's used to to hold water, uh, to, to hold food. Uh, and then the concept of that, you might be doing something, it makes. So you contains, it makes, it transforms. We could use it for, for cleaning things and so that we have uh, clean clothes and different implements, but also for purifying uh, if you're going from a more spiritual context. And uh, in some cultures, especially nomadic tribes, your cooking pot would also be a drum so that once you're done with the meal for the day, mm-hmm. uh, you might throw the you know, skin over it and, uh, and do some celebration for that. So, so many different uses because you, you have this thing that life is centered around. So instead of washing the cauldron out, you just cover it with a skin and start beating it. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully you clean out because otherwise your skin probably <laughs> wouldn't like that too much. <laughs> it might change the quality of the sound. <laughs> True. Uh, it depends how much food is or residue there is still left in the cauldron. Now, the cauldron tends to be associated with yes. the goddess and the feminine divine. But you blow the lid off of that. How come? <laughs> well... There are a lot of myths with the cauldron that actually center around gods and father figures. So, you know, we tend to think, oh, well, it's, it's this womb-shaped thing. We have the myth of Caridwen. It must be, you know, a very feminine thing. But there are many different myths in Celtic culture and throughout that area where you have the Dagda, the, the father figure, that has the, the cauldron that is never empty so that he can always feed the people. And... There's stories with Thor and Odin feasting cauldrons so that you provide the brew for the people. And all of those King Arthur legends often piggyback onto mm-hmm. those original myths dealing with gods and goddesses from those times and how they used them. So it's not just it's not just for the ladies. You know, you cover a lot of cauldron myths in your book. Is one of them your favorite? I would say that my favorite actually focuses around one of my kind of ancestral deities there, and that is Baba Yaga. 
Um, she is seen traveling around the woods in either a mortar and pestle, and in some instances, actually a cauldron, so that she uses it to get around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's a personification of nature. You know, she can she can uh, give you uh, many blessings and help you on your way, or she could eat you. You know, that's that's kind of nature in a nutshell. It could be good to you, or you could die. Hmm. So I like the simplicity of, of what she brings to it. So, t- so tell me, is there an ideal kind of cauldron? It depends on what you want to use it for. Uh, you know, we always have a, a classic idea of the big black cast iron cauldron, you know, hmm. bubbling over. But, you know, not everybody can and has room for something that big or, or as much use for it. Uh, so you might need something smaller. Uh, you might need more of a cooking pot, or you might need something that's better for brewing. So the ideal cauldron comes down to what what do you need it for? What are you going to use it for? So there's not just one, So which makes it very easy to collect them all, too. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, another yeah. cauldron. I'll get that one, too. How many cauldrons do you have? I haven't counted recently. I know Ooh. I've got, uh, I keep collecting more, and I have a feeling that as this book comes out, people are going to be like, oh, here, I've got a cauldron for you. <laughs> so I think right now I'm probably around eight or ten of various sizes, and that's really, really tiny mm-hmm. uh, to about, um, I don't know, casserole size. <laughs> Does the size of the cauldron have anything to do with the purpose you're going to use it for? Yes. Uh, now, if you think about, uh, if you're going to do laundry, you don't want to do that in something that you would uh, boil pasta in, right? Well, no. <laughs> Unless you were just doing your underwear and socks. Well, listen, the, the, day, uh, the day I don't use a washing machine to do my laundry and use the coffee percolator instead, uh, I, I don't know what would happen to me. I love my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a bad day on both accounts. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's what I actually, you know, you, you really got to go, hmm. So hopefully we wouldn't be doing your, your laundry in there. And I would expect that most modern witches are going to be using their cauldrons for, for ritual tools. And so it's probably going to be fairly small, something that holds a candle or, um, you know, uh, maybe the equivalent of a glass of not glass of wine, but maybe a whole bottle of wine or something in there, or a punch that might be distributed during ritual. Um, you know what? Again, it comes down to what are you going to use it for? Yeah. Okay. Is there a best way to acquire a cauldron? Is there a special place where you should go? Well, I am all for uh, supporting your local uh, occult or metaphysical shop mm-hmm. if you're particularly looking for a cauldron for a ritual. Because um, these are the folks who, you know, carefully select things and try to get the best ones that um, that can be used for, for food and for burning things uh, versus something online where you just don't know. Um, I like to steal my cauldrons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, see, do you see what does it feel like? How, how heavy is it? Uh, so doing that in person, you know, if you don't have um, a witchy shop near you, actually a lot of camping stores have you know, kind of old-style cauldrons that you can use for cooking. Um, they're going to be a little bit bigger because yeah. they are for, you know, to, to make food. So, But if you can't, you can always, you know, look online and see um, and check out what options there are. But I always recommend checking it out in person if you can and supporting your local vendor versus you know, just sure. some uh, you know, online store in the sky that, you know, doesn't care if you shipped out from overseas. Now, when you're doing a spell or using the cauldron for your, for your witchcraft, how do you prepare the cauldron? Like, is there a special cleansing ritual that you use before, and once you finish one uh, use that you go to the next use? Well, I, it starts with when you acquire a cauldron, you want to do a little cleansing because you don't know, you know where it's been. And that's a mm-hmm. physical cleansing first and that, you know, you make sure there's no rust anymore. If, you know, if yeah. it's been a cast iron that you clean that out, um, properly uh, seasoned it. Or if it's any other one that is just clean and, you know, free of debris and dust. Now, on the more spiritual sense of it, 
uh, it really comes down to what are you doing with your cauldron? And if you are, um, you're doing something more of a messy spell, like um, a wax spell, which right. might be that you're burning a candle inside of it. Uh, if, you're, if you're going to do that, and then the next thing you plan to do is make it a punch bowl, that might not be ideal. Uh, so you want to take a little bit of precaution between that. But in the sense of, you know, do you need to wipe it clean in a, in a um, kind of erase the magic mm-hmm. sort of thing? I, I don't really believe in that. Um, some people say that a cauldron has memory. And uh, I think if you're, as long as you are, are doing the normal work that you tend to do with your cauldron, then it's, it's going to be yours. And the only thing you have to worry about is contamination. So, you know, don't mix belladonna in there and then decide to have a, a punch party the next week. That <laughs> sounds like a plan. So smart. Laura, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom <laughs> of the hour. Exxon Nation, Laura tempest Zakroff is our guest. Her website is www.lauratempestzakroff.com, and she is the author of The Witch's Cauldron, The Craft, Lore, and Magic of Ritual Vessels, published by our good friends at Llewellyn. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Don't go away. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.exxon.com. XZBN.net How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? 
There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Find out more about the programming available to you 24-7-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour is Laura Tempest-Zakroff. She's the author of The Witch's Cauldron, The Craft, Lore, and Magical Ritual, Magic of Ritual Vessels. And... Um, let me ask you, okay, so you decide to, to become a witch. What do you do? Do you go out and get the cauldron first? Do you go out and get the hat first? Or do you go out and get the broom? Or do you get all three at the same time? <laughs> I'm going to say you go out and get a book first and make ah. sure you understand what you're doing before you get any tools. Um, let me <laughs> and ask... find some real people to talk to. Right. And, of course, one of the best books you can buy about using your cauldron is The Witch's Cauldron, which is written by Laura Tempest Zakroff, our guest this hour. Is there any danger for someone who is just starting to go out and get a book of spells? And they go out and they get a cauldron. They go out and get the ingredients for a spell. Is this a good idea for someone who's just starting? Well, we all find out how magic works one way or another. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I tend to believe that the best kind of spells that you do are the ones that you create yourself. But people do need a little bit of exploration, um, a little bit of guidelines, perhaps. So if, uh, say, one of Judica's books of, of spells, uh, to take a look at that and see... Uh, but really, you know, the first spell that you're going to do is the, the is going to be the first one, and usually you learn a little bit from it. Uh, so either what not to do or what to do. So I don't think that uh, there's any actual harm that can come from um, uh, looking at a prosperity spell or healing or generally any sort of positive intention. If someone wants to go out and hurt somebody else, mm-hmm. well, they're going to probably going to do that in many di- different ways as well. So it's it's the same as any action that we do in this world, whether you're doing it physically or metaphysically. There's going to be some sort of reaction to it, positive or negative. In your book, The Witch's Cauldron, there's a whole section on ritual arts and the cauldron. Can you talk about that So we, you know, we mentioned a few of the, the more standard practical things that we mm-hmm. can do with a cauldron, but uh, it can be the center of your ritual. It can be uh, for the altar, and that the idea that you set up your altar and you might put ingredients that have to do with the, the Sabbath or the Esbeth that you're performing. It, it can be part of um, a spellcraft where that you say you have a group of people and you're putting um, intentions onto a piece of paper, something that you either are getting rid of or want to bring into your life. If you're getting rid of it, you might be putting them all into the cauldron and setting them on fire and scattering the ashes. If it's something that you want to bring into your life, it might be putting seeds in the cauldron, and then Mm -hmm. once the ritual is done, you go out and you plant those seeds, and they've been gathered inside the cauldron. Uh, So there are a lot of different things that you can do with it. What kind of successes with spells have you had using your cauldrons? Oh, I have, a, I have a very high success rate. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the thing about cultures is it's just a tool. Uh, it's something that helps you focus your energy. And if mm-hmm. you know how to, you know, decide what is it that you want to manifest and, you know, are realistic about it, 
whether it's a cauldron, it's a broom, it's an athame, it's a cup, um, or whether it's a, a sigil or nothing at all, um, you're going to have a fairly good success rate with it. So for, for me, pretty much any kind of working that I put my, my mind to, it has manifested in some way. Um, that I'm also very realistic. I'm not going to uh, try to win the lottery. Oh, darn it. There goes <laughs> to my the, next question. My cauldron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so... All right, on the list for tomorrow, scratch out buying cauldron for winning lottery numbers. Okay, that's one less thing to do. Now, <laughs> you include like a dozen spells. Uh, the paper mache cauldrons are especially interesting. How does someone make one of those? Mm-hmm. So, are you familiar with paper mache? Oh, sure. You, used you ever to do that. made anything with like a balloon? And Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure, used to do that all the time <laughs> so, when I was a kid. So, yeah, it, it's, it's really fun, and so it's easy. What I love about it is that anybody can do it, and mm-hmm. you can do it with, with kids or, you know, as an adult. And the idea of this is to create a temporary cauldron out of paper mache. So you can take a, a balloon or a bowl or some other kind of container, make the paper mache mix, which is just water, flour, newspaper, or mm-hmm. something like that, paper towels. And, you you know, you build up the little base and you let it dry. Yeah. Uh, if you want to incorporate herbs into it, so you could do, um, let's say you want to do a, a healing cauldron. So you might put herbs in there that have to do with uh, that kind of healing and like little bits of lavender and, and chamomile and different things. And uh, so you can do that and then you can plant that cauldron after you're done for ritual use. Or it could be something where you made it to burn it and that's kind of a, a neat way to go about it is you you're, you put in all different ideas and thoughts and pieces of paper about things you want to get rid of, and then you can set the actual paper mache cauldron on fire. Interesting. Very interesting. There's also a chapter called The Seer's Cauldron. So can you use the cauldron to see the future? Yes. So divination, the art of, of looking into a situation, sometimes that's the past, sometimes it's the present, and sometimes that is indeed the future. Um, just like any other tool, um, like tarot or okay. the runes, when we're looking at a cauldron, we're, we're looking at, um, particularly it's called scrying, if you're looking into the surface of a cauldron. Uh, so you, there, are, there are many different methods I've included in the cauldron book. So you can, uh, you can put oil and water into the surface. You can, put, you can put glitter in there and swirl it around and see if you uh, can get into a, tra- a trance state. Excuse me. Uh, and then there's other ones where you can almost use it like a dice cup and kind of shake things up and then see what comes out of it. So gambling is okay using the cauldron. I like that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> can you just imagine going into a casino with a cauldron and the security people say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second, you can't come in here. Well, why not? I made it myself. It's made out of paper mache. All I want to do is put the dice. What, where are you taking me? Hey, get back. Oh, they've got no sense of humor over there. <laughs> What other uses? Give uh, me a new casino idea. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Keep it with my with my with my uh, with my love. Um, what kind of things have you seen using your cauldron? Ah, uh, so when uh, when you use a cauldron for di- divination in a ritual, it's often looking into um, whether an, an outcome for a situation. So if we see how a spell is going to work out, and uh, particularly say uh, a candle spell that you might be doing in your cauldron, and uh, what you can do is once the um, the candle has started, you could drip some of the wax into water on the surface mm-hmm. and see what's going to appear in that. So if you get a good sign or a bad sign from that, it depends on the shapes of the wax. So that would be the most common one I do. Um, the other one would just be for, for trance state, and that might be for looking into art. Um, when you're in a trance state, there's a, a lot of different images and visions that come, and as an artist, that can be really helpful to get inspiration. When you say trance data, is that a form of meditation that you use? Yes, I could say. It's, it's definitely an altered state. You, know, you have mm-hmm. your regular conscious state, and then trance is when you you are there, but you're not quite exactly there. It's a little bit more relaxed, and ideally, just like in meditation, you mm-hmm. want to shut off your your talking self or your left brain, yeah, uh, and let the right brain take over and and be immersed in imagery and and deeper thought rather than 
chatty on the surface. Let me ask you this question. Who is more successful at the use of a cauldron, men or women? I don't think it could be an either or. I think we can both be successful. Okay. Now, there's there's also something that's called unconventional cauldrons, where you talk about cauldrons lurking right under our noses, that most people already have these cauldrons. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, you remember your uh, your washing machine? <laughs> uh, you, you mean where I where I make my your coffee? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Remember? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so both your washing machine and technically your <laughs> coffee pot, you know, are and are are the the children, the great 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 children of of the cauldron. Uh, you know, so we we've come up with all these modern conveniences, and so even your bathtub can be seen as a cauldron, which is actually a great place to do ritual. Uh, you know, set up a nice bath and mm-hmm. some herbs in there and some candles and mm-hmm. and focus, and you can so, have a really lovely cauldron experience. Oh, especially if you put some rose petals in there and you have two glasses of wine, one for you, one for the wife, and and then you. Oh, wait a minute, wrong show. Sorry. But I get I, I get what you're talking Just about. Just remember yeah. to put a, a strainer in your tub so you <laughs> <laughs> have a mess to clean up. Yeah, it's kind of messy after a while. I, I guess you can even say that a hot tub is a cauldron because people get in there, they they talk, yes. they come up with ideas and so on. Not to mention the bacterial count. Um, so, <laughs> so so there are many yes, conven- the pig and soup effect. Yeah, is that what it's called? Pig and soup. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I guess if, oh, wait a second, if, if, uh, cannibals use a cauldron, that's, and, and they, you know, you know, do what they do with people, I can see that being a soup, it would be called missionary soup, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, so let's get away from this, all right, <laughs> do not send cauldrons to cannibals. Now, in the last section of your book, you talk about spiritual cauldrons and include a trance meditation. Can you give us an example of a trance meditation? So, uh, trance meditation is a type of guided journey where you either set up a story for yourself or someone leads you through that meditation. Uh And it's about drawing your energy to the center of your body and relaxing so that you can follow along and have some sort of experience. So as we were talking about with scrying, it's actually not too, not too different. Uh, so that you, know, you get some sort of message out of it or a relaxing experience. Everybody sees it in different ways. It depends on, on how left brain or right brain you are. Some people just hear, some people see, some people just have a whole waking dream. So it's, uh, it really depends on the person. Very interesting. You and I have to take our final break, my dear. Please stand by. Exonation Laura Tempest Zakroff is our special guest. And um, we're going to be talking to Laura more about her book, The Witch's Cauldron, on the other side of this final break. As we wrap things up for this hour here in the Exxon, where we don't use cauldrons. And, you know, regardless of what Laura says, I do not make coffee in the washing machine, and I do not put my underwear in the coffee maker because my wife won't let me. But we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue right here from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, in the X-Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, the Talkstar Radio Network, Radio X, and many more, but you can listen to us 724-365 with our compliments at xzbn.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? 
Well, now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, Soul Balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A Soul Balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Hold on here, Exonation. I'm just reading the instructions to our washing machines. I'm supposed to use a special kind of soap. Okay, that's where the fabric softener goes in. Okay. All right, hold on here. It doesn't say anything about coffee. Let me get the coffee maker instructions here. Okay, you put the coffee there. No, no, no place to put the, uh, the underwear. So I just think I'll use them the way I've been using them all these years. Anyway, Laura... Tempest Zakroff is our guest, and she's the author of The Witch's Cauldron, The Craft, Lore, and Magic 
of Ritual Vessels. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. I wish you much success. And, um, you know, The Witch's Cauldron is your first book. What's next? Well, my second book is called Sigil Witchery. And I actually just, just turned that in today. So that is going to be coming out in uh, January 2018. Okay, hold on. Note to Stephanie. Yeah, that's all about... Just a sec here. Note to Stephanie. Get Laura back on in January to talk about her book. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> so uh, I'm taking a look at uh, sigils, which mm-hmm. is uh, magical symbols and signs that you craft to do Ooh. different kinds of spellcraft. And I, I have my own technique that I developed over the years from a visual arts perspective. Most people are familiar with chaos magic. Yeah. Uh, this is very much not like that. So, so are are these individualized talisman? Uh, yes, you can do um, you can do talismans out of them. You can mm-hmm. craft uh, jewelry. You can put it on the clothing. You can make patches. Um, it's about how to make the symbol in the first place, and then you can apply it and acknowledge it in many different ways. How significant is symbology with witchcraft? Oh, I believe it's uh, very, very important. Uh, especially when you're dealing with um, liminal aspects. You know, we're looking at myths and legends and folklore. All of those things have keys hidden within them. You know, there are many, there's many myths out there that basically tell us how to behave with, with the fae, the fairy, the other side, and with ghosts, with spirits, um, lessons of how the world works. And that's all hidden in the symbolism. Uh, as well as, you know, when you're looking at an image, it has power. Um, whether that's a painting, a sculpture, you know, a pentacle, um, part of it is mm-hmm. the power that it holds as well as what we recognize within it. But ultimately, who holds the deciding power? Is it us? Is it the talisman? Is it the spell? Is it the ritual? And how much mind over matter is, is, is woven into these different elements? Well, that's a great question. I think they're they're all equal parts. Uh, you know, so magic is if it's the focusing of our will and our intent to make something happen. That is very much mind over matter. Yeah. But also, when you read a book, that's technically mind over sure. matter because you're you're taking this information in and you're 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 picturing it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really feel like you personally, it's you have to find that meaning. Um, so if you see a symbol and it doesn't mean anything to you then you're not going to have that connection versus one you craft and you recognize as a spell. That's going to mean something much more powerful to you. And so that leads to, well, how other people respond to it because of how you personally respond. In 2001, you were the youngest attendee at the Pagan's Leader Summit in Bloomington, Indiana. What did that feel like? Uh, it was an amazing and kind of, not say scary experience, but somewhat intimidating. Uh, you have all these people who have been on their path for decades, and there you show up as you know, a 20-something, like, here, I'm part of publishing a magazine. And uh, uh, so I have to say, though, most people were really, really wonderful, and I'm in contact with a lot of those people. Um, unfortunately, some of them have even passed on. So it was really to, to be there at that time and get to meet, say, Isaac Bonowitz and um, a few others who have, have crossed the veil. Um, it was a really special time. You've got three cats. Are they black? <laughs> Only one. Only one. <laughs> Eleanor is black, and then we have Sam, who's a tabby, and then Simon is part Siamese and, and looks like a marshmallow. And I understand that a fourth is imminent. We we, we very much like a fourth. I don't know how uh, <laughs> they would like that, but... <laughs> What is the significance, if any, any now. what is the significance, if any, between a witch and a cat? <laughs> They're one and the same. Uh, <laughs> you know, cats, cats are very magical creatures. Have you ever opened up a cabinet and suddenly there's a cat? Like, how did you know that the empty space was there? There was, you know, there was no cat in the room. Suddenly there's a cat. It manifests. Uh, if I ever uh, opened so, up a cabinet, I, I either think, at home or here at the office, and there was a cat, uh, I'd be asking more than that question because 
At home, we have three <laughs> dogs, no cats. And here at the office, anything that sheds hair, including my producer, is not allowed in certain parts of the building. So uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, he's a tomcat, as, uh, as you might have guessed by now. His name is Craig, and he's been with me for 24 years. So, um, wow. Yeah. So there is no, there is no uh, set association between a witch and a cat. It's just that cats are very magical, and in fact, they were revered by the Egyptians. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's often uh, when you can't, which is familiar, is, um, you know, there are a lot of different myths associated with women turning into cats or witches, and as well as hares and mm-hmm. wolves and snakes and frogs and, you know, any sort of creature that shows a little bit of intelligence is probably a witch, right? <laughs> Depending on who you're talking to. Frogs show intelligence? I, uh, you know, actually I'd have to, I would say probably maybe more on the toads, but okay. this is a trans, I would say that one's on the transformational factor. The fact that you can become a little from a tadpole into a frog, but uh, hmm. yeah. Unless you're Kermit sure the Frog how, and how smart they are. You know, if you're Kermit the Frog and yeah. you're going out with a pig and you're hanging around a Fonzie bear, you know, like <laughs> I guess anything's possible these days. What are your final thoughts and words of wisdom about cauldrons that you'd like to share right now with the Exo Nation around the world? Well, the to find the perfect cauldron is more about trying out and seeing what works for you and don't be afraid to uh, look around the house as well. Sometimes you've already got a perfectly good spaghetti pot that can mm. be used for a cauldron. So even if it doesn't look like the classic image, if it can hold water, if you can put a little fire in there, depending on what you need to do, you can make it happen. So you don't have to spend money to, to get your cauldron up. A word of wisdom for all the males who are out there who are planning on hitting their wives' cooking area to find a cauldron, make sure you ask the wife first because you don't want to become part of the inner parts of that cauldron, do you? (laughs) Now, is your husband also a a witch, Nathaniel? Uh, he, He is a, he's open to all things. So I would say he's kind of more on the the, the bardic nature, being okay. a musician. And what kind of music does he play? Uh, it's kind of a uh, folk rock, you know, rock and roll with a little bit wow. of uh, Mediterranean and Middle Eastern influences. And we, we do a lot of restructuring of uh, fairy tales and myths. So that's where that myth punk comes into as well. Does he have his own recordings? Does he do his own CDs, his own music? Yes, we have uh, quite a few albums. You can check them out at nathanieljohnstone.com. Well, well on Bandcamp, you can hear all of them. Excellent, excellent. Before we, before we say so long for tonight, I have to ask you this. What is your opinion of Halloween, the way that the non-pagans celebrate it by getting dressed up in all these weird wacky costumes and going door to door and begging for kind of, I mean asking for trick or treats um <laughs> you know uh, personally I think that the American Dental Society has a lot to do with the stock of that uh, that tradition because they certainly get enough enough customers after it what is your, what is your opinion as as a practicing witch uh, I love Halloween, and I see it as something different than mm-hmm. Salon, you know, Festival of the Dead or Celebration of the Ancestors. Uh, I, I like to refer to the dressing up as sort of amateur night, mm-hmm. uh, but I love that, you know, regular people are using their imagination and kind of getting out of just, you know, this is how we're supposed to be. And if it gets them a little more interested in, in other things and learning about it, that that is awesome. And, you know, versus uh, anything kind of cultural preparation, not so cool, not cool at all. Yeah. Uh, but you know the whole decorating and and you know the silliness of it all. I I love it, and uh, I think more people could use some lightening up. Well, listen, we have to say so long for now. Again, I want to congratulate you on your book, uh, The Witch's Cauldron: The Craft, Lore, and Magic of Ritual Vessels. Um, we're certainly going to check out Nathaniel Johnstone. Listen to some great music. And let our listeners know how they can get a copy of your book, The Witch's Cauldron. 
Well, it's available at uh, Amazon, and since Llewellyn is everywhere, you can pretty much get it almost at any bookstore. And uh, I'll have it online soon through my website as well at lauratempestzacroft.com. Laura Tempest, thank you so much for joining us tonight. A great pleasure. And uh, as I believe the... What is the what is the official witch uh, farewell? I know it's merry meet and when somebody says goodbye, how do you say merry meet and merry part? There you go. <laughs> and merry meet again. You take care of yourself. And um, thank you so much for having me. It's my great pleasure. And I, as I told you during the break, every time I look at my washing machine and my coffee maker, I shall think of you fondly. <laughs> Good luck with your coffee maker and washing machine. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Good night, honey. Exonation will be back on the other side of this commercial break and the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. www.xzbn.net for all the best of the programming in the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology, 724-365. Don't go away, I'll be back after this break.